glad to be here this afternoon um, and have the privilege of continu- continuing our Romance 12 series. If you are a guest, a very special welcome to you. Um, we're glad that you're here. And during this series, we're looking at the sort of church community that we want to be. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that the responsibility of defining the sort of church community we need to be is not down to me or you or even the elders, um, because that would be very chaotic. God is the one who defines the church of church community we need to be because the church belongs to God. And God has ordained that the church will display manifold wisdom and be the vehicle through which his mission will be carried out. And so everything about the church, who we are, what we do, the plans and purposes we have as a church, they're not man-made, they're actually God-inspired and revealed through the word of God. Yeah. Our identity as disciples, learners, followers of Jesus, as um, family members, members of the family of God, and as missionaries, the sent ones to take the gospel to the world is discovered through the word of God. It's the word of God that follows our passion to make many more disciples and family members and missionaries of all nations to the glory of God. And it's the word of God that follows our passion to see multiple gospel-shaped communities in the areas where we live. And the Bible is not a theoretical collection of words from God or some abstract theology out there that has no relevance or connection to how we live. The word of God is living and life-changing. And as we allow God's word to work in us, by practicing what we read, study, or hear, it transforms us, it shapes us, what we believe as well as what we do. Because theory is, without practice, is actually meaningless, right? I don't know if you've done a driving test in recent years. You know you have to do the theory part as well as the practice, yeah? Have you ever met somebody that just for the fun of it, just wants to do the theory test all the time <laughs> without the intention of actually driving a car. I mean, that would be weird, right? So also for us as Christians, just acquiring knowledge of the gospel without allowing it to translate into our behavior and impact every area of our lives will actually be meaningless. And so the apostle Paul actually helped us to see this principle of theory and application in the book of Romans. So he begins the first few chapters up to chapter 11 with theology. He gives us, he gives us an intense teaching on um, the doctrine of salvation by faith in Jesus Christ through grace. He lays the foundation of the Christian faith. And then from chapter 12, he begins to build on the practical day-to-day outworking of the gospel in the lives of those who believe. It gives us clear, practical commands of the Christian life that should come about because of everything he has told us in chapters 1 to 11. I don't know as a new Christian, I know I did it. You want you know, open the book of Romans, start to read because you really want to read the Bible, right? It's so difficult to read. It's not an easy read, the first few chapters of Romans. And what you do, just like quickly skip a few chapters um, so that you can get to the easier bit. And then you try to put into practice what you are reading, but it's actually very difficult. The thing is, without a thorough understanding of why we behave, we're going to struggle. We, we can't attempt the new way of living without the foundation of the gospel. The gospel is the only foundation on which our behavior or any practical expression of what we believe can be fruitful. So that's why chapter 12 of the book of Romans begins with an appeal. And so Paul appeals 
to us, brothers and sisters. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Therefore, is implying that there's an underlying reason for this appeal. And this reason is the mercies of God. It is by the mercies of God that we can have an understanding of the gospel of salvation and we can be present our bodies as a living sacrifice because we know that we can never repay God for saving us, for forgiving our sins, for including us in his family. And so the only sensible and rational response from us is worship. And by worship, Paul does not mean just coming here on a Sunday and singing a few songs. Paul means we worship God with all of our lives and everything that we have. Our reasonable worship is to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable to God. We are to become living, breathing sacrifices in service to God because of God's mercies and grace. And then he goes on to explain to us that this living sacrifice lifestyle it cannot be done if our minds are still conformed to the world. We can't conform to the ways and patterns of this world um, and live, live out this lifestyle. We have to break through from the old mindset the me first way of thinking because it is only with renewed, mind, with renewed minds that we can begin to look at the world the way God looks at it. And we be, can begin to focus on God rather than on what we want. So this foundation of this renewed mindset is what um, Paul now begins to build on as we begin to talk today practically about the specific doing aspects of the living sacrifice lifestyle. So he started with um, chapters three, uh, verses 3 to 8 where he talked about spiritual gifts. We've covered that over the past two weeks. Um, and every one of us should see ourselves and our place in the body of Christ, faithfully playing our part and using our gifts to serve God. And this afternoon we get to verse 9. And be this begins another section which some Bible writers have titled Marks of a True Christian. And these verses, right to verse 21, they are packed full of short exhortations, short commands, 25 in fact, um, of these short commands, of action centered around the general way of love and life in the church as well as outside the church. So to that, today we are going to be looking at Romans chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. And I'm just going to read, it says, let love be genuine. Abhor, I don't know whether you've used that word quite recently, um, but it's not a word we use in our vocabulary. It actually means hate. Um, Abhor or hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Two verses, five very short and precise commands. And we want these commands to make a difference in the way we live. So this, we want to explore these verses this afternoon. We want to like, see what does it mean for me individually as well as corporately. But we don't just want to stop talking today. We want to talk about it in our communities learn from one another, how does these things affect you, how does it affect me, and let us challenge one another because every single one of us has a part to play in making new community church, a community shaped by grace and walking in genuine love. So we're gonna talk about love, right? Let love be genuine, love. We use that word a lot in a variety of ways. I love my husband, right? I love Jesus, I love ice cream. <laughs> I love my dog, no, um, I, because I don't have a dog. But you might have a dog, you might have a cat, and you love your pet, right? But I don't think I'm ever going to say that, because I'm never going never to have a pet, right? Um, and the many other things that come in between, we love. We say that word a lot in the English language context. 
And um, we also have a basic understanding that when we use the word love, um, it has a wide range of meanings. So I can say, I love Dario and I love James. And nobody's going to be confused about the kind of love I'm talking about, right? Yeah? <laughs> Because usually we will define from the context what kind of love um, that we're talking about, okay? So we don't get confused because we use the word love so often. So nobody gets confused when I say I love my cat and I love ice cream. I love. You don't confuse the types of love. We just assume from the context what we mean. But in the Bible, the word love was more specific. The Bible talks of love in four different types of ways. Like it talks about affection, friendship. Romantic love as well as charity, which is agape. And agape is the most common type of love spoken about in the New Testament. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, for example, says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. First John chapter 4, verse 7 to 10. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not Love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son, Jesus, into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is agape. This is love, self-sacrificial love, unconcerned about self, and it works for the benefit of the loved one. It's independent of reciprocal response. It goes way beyond feelings and emotions. It's actually a commitment. Agape is from God. This is the love that God has for the world and it's the love that we are called to emulate as Christians. And this love, we don't have to strive to get it because it's already poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter five, verse five. And hope does not put to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. However, we can allow this love to grow and abound in us as Paul prayed for the Philippian church in Philippians 1.9, that their love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. So we can go back and rephrase that Romans chapter 12 verse 9 and actually say, let love, let, agap- let agape, let the authentic love of commitment to one another that sets its face to love regardless of response be genuine or without hypocrisy. So that's what we're talking about this afternoon. Let the authentic love of commitment to one another that sets its face to love regardless of response, be genuine or without hypocrisy. Why would uh, Paul use the word genuine? Why not let love be selfless or let love be appreciated or let love be boldly demonstrated? How can love be with hypocrisy? The thing is, when we begin to view our relationships with one another in light of our interests, our race, our class, our history, or anything else apart from the blood of Jesus that ties us together, we can slip into an art form of, outward form of love that does not flow from the heart. The Roman church was a diverse community made up, made up of Jews, Gentiles, slave, free, rich, poor, strong, weak. There were obvious differences that would challenge them genuinely relating to and accepting one another. And that means taking each other into our hearts and into our homes. It's possible for them to just keep each other at arm's length. And so Paul had to address this issue. New Community Church is a diverse church. We can quickly learn how to get on, isn't it? Be polite to one another, very cautious. We know how to speak kindly, the right things. Avoid hurting each other's feelings. 
However, God is not calling us to superficial love. He's calling us to a love that goes far beyond being polite. We are called to demonstrate real, sincere, undisguised, heartfelt love that flows from the heart. Genuine love is a commitment. It requires effort. It demands time and personal involvement. It's not on show. It's not needy of man's commendation. It's not driven by pride or self. It's not disguised as something else. It's not a means to an end. And it's not on show on Sundays. It's not a performance. At the heart of the gospel is God's love for us. And so at the heart of our lives should be love for God first and foremost and then love for one another. It is practically impossible for us to sincerely love one another the way God wants us to if we are not sincerely loving God the way we are supposed to. So we want to be a community shaped by grace where there is genuine love for God that is automatically flowing and overflowing into genuine love for one another. In Mark chapter 12, verse 28 to 31, Jesus, uh, one of the scribes came up and heard um, them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them, we will ask him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than this. So loving God genuinely with all of our hearts, our soul, and mind, and strength is the only foundation on which we can love one another, genuinely. And so we're going to be talking practically today. You can't talk about genuine love and just talk theory, right? We have to talk practically. And that means we're going to be talking about things that we do. So if you're a guest here, please don't feel that's what Christianity is all about. We've already laid the foundation a few weeks ago of why we have to leave this kind of lifestyle is because of what Jesus has done. So Christianity is all because of the grace of God. But because we understand what God has done for us and his mercies, we respond to him by giving our lives. And so this morning we're going to be talking about practical things. What does it look like to love God genuinely? And the first thing, there's two things we're going to sort of talk about. The first is loving God genuinely means loving him with everything within us as well as with everything we have. So the first thing, loving God with everything within us. Jesus said it already in the verse we just read. All of our hearts, all of our souls, all of our minds, and all of our strength. It looks like giving him topmost priority in our lives, the number one spot in every area of our lives. So when you genuinely love someone, you don't just think about them once a week, do you? And if they're lucky, maybe twice. No, your thoughts go to them. You become passionate about what they're passionate about. You're proud their priorities become your priority. You align your life with theirs. So loving God with all of our hearts, our souls, our minds, we translate into giving him a wholehearted devotion and having no other allegiances apart from him. It will look like allowing our thoughts to go to him, not just once a week or twice a week, but continually. It will look like engaging our souls and our emotions and loving God for who he is, not for what he can do. It will look like telling him that we love him with everything and also showing it and not holding anything back from him. Loving God with all of our, with all of our strength will look like giving, me, giving him our best energy, not what's left over at the end of the day. Genuine love for God will look like having a desire to please God. The second part of that, Romans chapter 12, verse 9, says, hate what is evil. We can't hate what is evil if we are not loving God. So loving God means loving what God loves and hating what God hates. 
So we learn to hate what is evil and hold tight to what is good because we genuinely want to please God. Genuinely loving God looks like being passionate for what he's passionate about. It looks like knowing his priorities. And we know that God prioritizes the least, the last, and the lost. And so this becomes a priority. We align our lives with that. We give our time and our resources to align with his priorities. And then genuine love for God also looks like loving, loving him with everything we have. And nothing will be too precious to give to God. And we can talk about so many things here, but I'm going to talk about two of the most important possessions that we own as human beings. And the first is our time, and very close second is our money. I don't know whether you realize it or not, but your time is the most precious possession that you have. Because how you spend it has a significant impact, not just for your life here, but for eternity. And so if you squander your time here on earth, then you, you have a price to pay in eternity. So our time is our most precious possession. And then our money is what we get in exchange for using our time. So both of them are very precious to us. So genuinely loving God with everything we have will look like giving God topmost priority in the use of our time and money. Time is precious, right? Everybody's busy. Life is busy, fast-paced, that, 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 keep going. However, the reality is whatever is important to you, you make time for it. So genuinely loving God will be demonstrated in intentionally prioritizing the things of God and the things God is passionate about into the use of our time. Rather than making and finalizing our plans and fitting God in somewhere, we will prioritize our lives around God, not the other way around. And practically, specifics will be different from each one of us because our lives are different. But there should be some basics, like giving quality time to your devotional life with God. Prioritizing time to gather with the people of God, either on Sundays or midweek, not just when it's suitable or convenient, but actually prioritizing that. Giving time to use your gift to serve the body of Christ. In doing these things, you are genuinely showing that you love God, not by what you see, but what, what you do. How about our money? Jesus talked about laying treasure for ourselves in heaven rather than here on earth. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And genuinely loving God will look like being generous with our money. Giving cheerfully to further the advance of God, to further the purposes of God. This would be the logical response to God's mercies. Why? Because you know when you give your life and your time and your money, your treasury, your resources, you're just giving back what is given to you. Because you understand that he's been generously gracious to you and all you can do is give back what he's given to you. When we care about what God cares about, no one needs to badger us into giving. Our love for God just produces a desire to see his kingdom advance. And so we demonstrate it in action by giving. Because we want to show that where our treasure is, our heart is there also. And we choose to think outside of our own needs and choose to give to God. And this is not about the amount of money we give. It Jesus um, admired the widow that gave two pennies compared to everybody that gave so much. It's not about the amount we give, but it's about where our heart is. We need to understand that doing the work of God, reaching the gospel to all of Southeast England, it takes money. It's not cheap. And every one of us has a part to play. Genuinely loving God with everything within us and with everything we have is all because of God's mercies. And this love for God, it doesn't just stay there. It now manifests itself into genuine love for God's people. 
You cannot be genuinely loving God, Jesus Christ, the head of the body and the bridegroom, and not be in love with his body, the bride. And I'm going to nick James's line here. You cannot say you really love me, but you despise Dio, because we come as a package, right? The body of Christ and the head is one. So if you love Jesus, you love the body. And the expectation of Jesus Christ was that our love for one another will be evident to the world. John 13, 34, and 35. Jesus said, by this the world will know that you are my disciples if you have love toward each other. Our love on display is what the world sees and sets us apart as Jesus' disciples. I don't know if someone has ever come to your house before and then they step in and then you say, hmm, how deep is that foundation? Look her. Tell me about the foundation. How deep is it? Oh, look at the framework, it's so nice. No, they come into your house and they look at your wallpaper or the paint or the deco, they look at the finished work. That's the same thing for us as Christians. When somebody comes into our church, they don't say, oh, what great doctrine you have. No, they see how we relate to one another, the love that we show. That's what sets us apart. That's what, what is it about? Why do you love each other? And then we can say it's because of Jesus. We're a friendly church, we're very welcoming, we have a culture of niceness and pleasantness to our guests, and if you're a guest, you're very welcome. However, welcoming one another, showing genuine love goes much deeper than what happens here on a Sunday. So what should genuine love look like toward one another? And the first thing is that God does not want us to be familiar strangers, but to be in community. And what does it mean to be a familiar stranger? The Holy Spirit spoke, spoke to me about this just after lockdown. We all have family as strangers in our life. I don't know about you. Every morning when I go out for my exercise, there's this lady. We see each other practically almost every day across the road. Hey, what? Smile. Hi. And then we just go. Maybe you see next to somebody on the train, you see them every single day because you're always seeing the same spot because we are creatures of habit. Maybe you walk your dog in the park. You see, there's some people in your life. They're strangers, but you see them all the time. You, they're familiar, but they're still strangers because there's no relationship. And sometimes you don't see them for a while. Maybe they're on holiday or I'm on holiday. And you think, oh, I haven't seen that my friend that we come across each other when we walk. Um, but you can't really find out because you don't have a relationship with them. Well, this should not be the case in the church of Jesus Christ. There should be no familiar strangers in our midst. And if you're visiting, you are very welcome. But if you've been coming for a while, four, five, six weeks more, you need to be asking God, God, is this where you want me to be? And if God says yes, then you need to plug yourself into the body. Genuine, sincere love for God, it produces an attitude of belonging to Jesus Christ and to each other in the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit generates within us a desire to belong, to be a part of the people of God and in each other's life. First John 3, 14 and 16, it says, we know we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. It is obviously impossible to genuinely share lives with the people that, I don't know how many people are here, but 100 people. However, within a community of 5 to 15 people, we can genuinely share lives and carry out this command. You know where this is going, right? The same thing we talk about every week. Here we go again, you might be thinking. Yeah, they're going on about community again. And yes, we are very passionate about everyone in new community being in community because we want to orient our lives around helping others to thrive and grow. 
is in community where growth happens. And there's still too many of us not in community for lots of different reasons. And some are technically in community on church suites, but they actually do not engage during the week. That doesn't count. <laughs> I told you we were going to be talking practically today, right? Um, the thing is, we're all very different, okay? We're very, very different. Some of us are very relational and practical. We love people. People make us stick. We always be busy with people and projects. You would rather be with people than read a book. But there's some other people they would rather read a book than be with people. Let's be honest. It's just not them. People tire them out. They don't have emotions and energy for people. And there are many of us that are in between these opposite spectrums. I want you to look at your two hands, right? <laughs> How many people are ambidextrous in this room? In other words, you can use your right hand and left hand with ease. Nobody. Ah. Okay, but I mean, you're probably right-handed or left-handed, yeah? But when you do most things, you use both hands, okay? So many of us, we are strong in some areas of our life and we are weak in others. Not, there is no human being that is strong in every area of our life, in every area of their lives. There's one weakness somewhere and there's nothing wrong with knowing how you're wired. But it's important to understand that God transforms us and there's always room for growth. And we learn from one another. So when you come into community, you ask the Holy Spirit to help you in your strong areas. You're weak the way you are weak. Maybe it's, uh, I just don't like people. And you see this person always bubbling with people. You begin to rub against one another. Oh, that's this. And then you talk and then you learn from one another. That's what God is calling us to but when we keep ourselves away, we deny others from learning from us and we also deny ourselves from learning. So if you're here, you're still not in community, here it goes again. You need to be in one. Not just by name, but actually by plugging yourself and being involved. Don't be a familiar stranger in your father's house. Secondly, genuine love looks like body mentality. The thing is, we can no longer, no longer do our own thing because we belong to a body. We are members of the body of Christ. We don't exist in isolation. Genuine love for one another looks like caring for one another, crying with one another, and rejoicing with one another, helping one another through difficult times and, and um, good times. Verse 10 of that Romans 12 says, love one another with brotherly affection. I'll do one another in showing honor. This can only be practiced when you're in relationship with other people as brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. And the love here is talking about affection, filial, brotherly love, different from the love we were talking about in verse 9, which was agape. So we are supposed to show emotion and passion and zeal and feeling towards one another. Like affectionate siblings, no form of competition is allowed apart from exceeding, trying to show honor to one another. That's the only competition that's allowed, outdoing one another and showing honor. Apart from that, we cannot compete. And genuine love for one another looks like not conforming to the world, going the easy way, the comfortable way of being with people exactly like us. We want to make room for different voices. And so we learn to do life with other people that are not like us. Romans 15, 7 tells us, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And the NLT version says, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be giving glory. So when we begin to interact, not with people exactly like us, we are bringing glory. We are welcoming other people just as Jesus Christ has welcomed us. 
And then finally, we're going to talk about genuine love being tough love. That second part of verse 9 again, let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. As God does, we must learn to hate what is evil and to hold on to what is tight. We must be able to tell one another the truth in love. It must not be an issue. We all have blind spots. So when we genuinely love one another, we don't shy away from challenging or rebuking them because of fear of being judgmental or fear of rejection. Some people are always encouraging. They can encourage from now till eternity, right? <laughs> and some people, <laughs> some people they, can, they provoke and they challenge, right? <laughs> and there's some people in between, just like our two hands. We have to learn to encourage and challenge. We have to find the right balance with encouraging as well as challenging. That's how we grow. Ephesians 4.15 tells us to speak the truth in love. It says, rather speaking the truth in love, we had to grow up in every way into him who is head and into Christ. And then Hebrews 10.24 tells us to provoke one another. It says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. When we are walking in sincere love toward one another, we will speak the truth in love. We will provoke one another to love and good works. We will help each other grow. Genuine love toward God and toward one another is not about talking, but it is demonstrated in action. 1 John 3.18, little, little children, let us not love in word or talk, or but in deed and truth. Genuine love is obedience. Jesus expects and deserves our obedience. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. We all love New Community Church. We love the kind of church that God has placed us in. However, every single one of us, we have a part to play in making our church community a community shaped by genuine love. Would you play your part? And as I finish, um, I'm just going to share a little bit of my story because the Holy Spirit prompted, prompted me to do that. Um, came to New Community Church about 18, 19 years ago. And um, it's very different from what the church is right now. And um, I really struggled. <laughs> really, really struggled. I could not connect because I didn't know how to. I will finish the church service. I will rush off into the car. I will sit there and I will wait for my husband to come back. Um, and I did this for a while. God, I just could not do it. And the Holy Spirit arrested my heart. And he just presented me with a question. And he said, Yemi, have I called you to this church or not? I said, mm, yes. And then, are you in or out? Uh, in. And then the Holy Spirit said, if you're in, you have to be fully in. You can't be one foot in and one foot out. I had to make a decision. And that decision just led to one tiny action, just making the effort to meet people outside of Sunday, outside of Sunday services. And slowly, surely, I began to learn. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, I've built lots of diverse relationships that I would not know where we would be today without them. Here I am, 19 years Later, to the glory of God. The Holy Spirit comes to you with the same question today. Are you in? Is this, where, is this the church God has called you to be? You need to answer that question for yourself. Is New Community Church the local path of the body of Christ to which God has called you? If the answer is yes, then are you fully in? Or do you have one foot in and one foot out? We have a decision to make today, brothers and sisters, to play our part in New Community Church, to make it a community shaped by grace, where love is genuine. Brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, 
There is a way to live because of what is true. There is a way to behave because of what we believe. The call today is to genuine love towards one another. First and foremost, toward God and then towards one another. What tiny action do you need to make today? I just mean a tiny step of obedience. What do you need to do today? What has to change? Because the reality is if you keep doing the same things, you get the same results. For you to get a different outcome, you need to do something different. So what do you need to do differently? No desire comes to pass without action. What needs to shift in your mindset? What strongholds do you need to pull down? Who has topmost priority in your life? Does the use of your money and your time reflect that it's God or you just say it's God? Are you playing your part in the body of Christ? Are you a fully functional member of a community? Do you give your time to serve? Do you give your money? And you might be here struggling with loving people, but the answer is we need to love God. Just fall in love with God again. Let him draw your heart. Let him captivate your heart. Loving people will just be easy. We're coming to a close now. And as we, as we um, draw to a conclusion, we're going to respond. Because like we said, just hearing the word of God and doing nothing about it is like just doing a theory test without intending to drive. So we want to hear the word of God. We want to put it into action. There might be people here that maybe you've not even given your life to Christ. It begins by first committing your heart to Jesus. Then you begin to love God genuinely. And then his love begins to flow to other people through you. That might be your own step of obedience. I just want you to take a minute and just think about what is it that you want to do differently. And I was, uh, as I was preparing this message, the Holy Spirit just, um, like, well, it was me. I was, I was running and I was not breathing and it felt like I was going to die. And, um, <laughs> and the Holy Spirit just, uh, he just spoke to me. I, God actually speaks a lot of things when, you're, <laughs> when you are doing some silly things. Anyway, and, and God spoke to me that there are people here that they are struggling. It's like they're choking to death. Why? Because they are not breathing in. They're not allowing the love of God to captivate their hearts. And you try and do things and try and do it and then you feel like you're oh, you're choking. No, the first step is you need to be full of the love of God. You need to breathe in. You know, when you feel you're going to die when you're exercising, all you need to do is just breathe, slow down, breathe, and then, oh, you know you're not dead. So that kind of thing. So you need to come to God and say, God, I need you. I'm desperate for you. And then it begins to fill your life. And when it fills your life, then you can begin to give out. Without overflowing and having the fullness of who God is in your life, you can't do. And when you do, it's just going to be like hard work. So God is speaking to you today. What's your devotional life like? Don't even worry about loving people yet. Start with God. Genuinely love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. And then the other things fall into place. Find somebody next to you. We're just going to, just take a minute. I want you to be accountable to one another. So what is, what's the one thing that you want to do differently? Brothers and sisters, let our love for God, our love for one another be genuine. Let us hate what is evil. Let us hold fast to what is good. Let us love one another with brotherly affection. Let us outdo one another in showing honor. We're going to respond by talking to one another and praying for one another.